Welcome to Bedtime Story Adventure 2019. One chapter a day up until Christmas. Boys, are you ready? Yeah. Chapter 21. Merlina's Mistake. After throwing the popcorn and scrambling back down the badger's tunnel, Jenny left the Green Hands gang to finish putting the fire out and ran back down the passage to the dome. Her hands were dirty and there was mud on the knees of her leggings. After a trip to the toilets, she was still a bit damp, but otherwise perfectly presentable. She made it back to the marquee with plenty of time and sat back down next to Marie. If anything, the distraction of the fire had calmed her nerves a little, better than just sitting around and worrying about the routine anyway. It was the interval, and the backstage area was filled with mixed emotions. Relief from those that had just performed, and a building nervous anticipation for those who were on in the second half. The Patcham dancers tried to stay focused during the 15-minute break. There was not enough space to actually practice the real moves, but Jenny and Marie went through them in their seats. At school, during lessons, they had developed a kind of hand-only version of the routine, translating steps and holds into little finger moves. They each had one of Marie's headphones to listen to the backing track while they practised the performance with their hands. Then the interval came to an end, and everyone's excitement levels started creeping upwards. Hugo appeared and called them. Straight up onto the stage, please, he said, looking down at his clipboard. The dancers filed past him silently. Jenny didn't even pause to ask how things turned out. She was in the zone. Deep down, she registered Hugo's presence and knew that everything must have gone okay, otherwise they'd probably be evacuating the building. She followed Marie and looked for her mark on the stage. There were too many acts for everyone to tape position markers down, but Jenny knew that her left foot should be on a joint between two particular floor panels. She found it and guided Maria slightly to the right and into place. She hadn't even looked out at the audience yet and didn't want to. She could hear them shuffling into their positions as they got themselves comfortable, ready for the second half to begin. The first beat of the audio track kicked her into action. She snapped her head upwards into the first hold, and at the same time James's lighting sequence blasted the stage with a harsh white light. The audience murmured with appreciation, but Jenny hardly heard, saw, or took anything else in until her last move. And then, then she finally looked out through the dazzling lights and heard claps and cheers and could make out glimpses of faces in the audience. She risked a quick look up at the royal box. Not at the prince and princess, she realised afterwards, but to see the king under the fort and the priestess clapping their paws and cheering along with the rest of the crowd. When they were backstage again, everyone was buzzing and talking and filled with the energy of completion and relief. Did you see the princess? one girl was saying. She gave us a standing ovation. The lights were so bright, said another and the way the spotlights followed Nancy and Emma in the middle part was crazy. No other act had anything like that. 
Jenny rode the wave of post-performance elation with the others while she got changed and sat with her friends. Eventually, the final act was called to perform. It was the Rodine dancers. As they went out, James hurried in and came straight over. Everyone loved the dance, he said. I think it must have gone pretty well. I've got to admit, Jenny said, that I don't really remember how it went at all. I'm pleased it's over now, though. Merlina was asking after us. I got a message to meet her by the statue. They left the hubbub of performers and walked out into the cold, crisp afternoon air of New Road. The raven was waiting for them, back on the head of Max Miller. It looks like your plan to put out the fire worked, Merlina said. But I was right. We discovered multiple squads of rats and crows outside the dome, ready to intercept the treasure if we had removed it from hiding. Sounds like we were both right, James said. The fire was a real danger, but also a distraction. Pretty big distraction, Jenny said. Could have burned down the whole pavilion. We'll never know, Melina said. But it didn't take long for two of the captured rats to give up who they were working for. The raven looked hard at James. Number eight, James said. She hired them too. Enough of your lies, the raven barked. They said that they were waiting here for you. In that instant, the hooded man, along with another large man in a dark suit, appeared on either side of the children. Don't try and run, Merlina said. Otherwise the master will have to use force. And I told you not to go messing around the prince. Now I find that you were working with the thief all along. You will be locked up for a very long time. Take them to the van. But we're innocent, Jenny protested. James, tell them that the rats weren't looking for you. James looked shocked. I said I'd meet them here to pay them, he said in a hollow voice. They weren't here to steal the treasures. They were here for penknives. What are you talking about, Jenny said. I forgot to tell you, James said. It happened when we were trapped in the Rodine Tunnel. This is all a misunderstanding. You'll have plenty of time to work it out between you in the van. For the second time that week, Jenny felt like she'd been let down by her friend. They walked silently with the two men and climbed into the back of a black van parked in front of the dome. Two large rats were already inside, manacles around their wrists. Jenny recognised one of them as she sat down. The van door closed and she heard it being locked behind them. Zen? she said. The large rat looked up. You two, it said harshly. What kind of mess have you got me and Bobby into? We guarded that tunnel and came to collect our payment. And instead of you at the statue, that bird was waiting for us. Yeah, Bobby agreed, holding up his chained hands. This was supposed to be two jobs for the price of one. And now we're locked up. It's my fault, James said. I forgot that I'd said I'd meet you this morning. I forgot all about it. I'm sorry. Jenny was beginning to think a little straighter. She knew that Merlina was wrong about them. But the rat Zen was a mercenary and would pretty much do any job if the price was right. What did you tell Merlina? she asked. Said we were waiting for payment from him. Zen cast a dark look at James. And the bird threw us in here like criminals. James stayed quiet. Merlina said that she rounded up rats and crows 
that were ready to hijack the prince's treasures, Jenny said. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, and I don't think we'll be getting our money for... Bobby started before Zen cut him off. We were waiting for the boy, Zen said, and that's that. Jenny looked around the inside of the van. The two rats were sitting next to each other, their hands chained. She and James were opposite, but not chained. She guessed that the bird thought they weren't as much as a risk as the soldier rats. But that was Merlina's mistake. Listen to me, she said to the rats. If you don't start telling me the truth, then you'll be locked away for a long time. Me and James are fine. Eventually they'll realise that we had nothing to do with all this. But you two were caught red-handed. Tell me what number eight's plan was, and I'll get us out of here. Zen looked at Bobby, and they both looked back at Jenny. The other girl told us to wait round the front of the dome, Zen sighed. She said she was going to smoke the prince out, and that we had to keep the master busy while another team stole the treasures. Zen figured we could go meet the boy, get paid, and then get paid by the girl, Bobby said. But the boy didn't show up, and now we're in here. And we put out the fire to stop number eight's plan, Jenny said. Seems like you two are guilty as charged. She shook her head at the two rats. We should leave you to Melina, unless... Unless what? Zen said. Unless you work for us again. If I get us out of here, then your job will be to follow number eight. And then we're even. You keep saying you can get us out, Zen scoffed. But you're in the same boat. Van, Bobby said. We're in a van. Not for long, Jenny said. She bent down and gripped the chain that held the rat's hands. It was tethered to the chassis of the van with a big metal rivet, designed to be secure against the hardest of criminals. "'What are you going to do with that, wee lassie?' Zen said. "'French skipping?' The rats started laughing. Jenny ignored them and braced her feet against the side of the van. She squeezed the chain tight in her hands and pulled. She could still feel the effect of the priestess's medicine within her. Not as strong as two days before, but she knew it was there. She pulled harder, knuckles turning white with effort. The side of the van creaked and flexed inwards around the rivet. The rats stopped laughing. Give her a hand, laddie, Zen said. I think it's working. James put his hands on the chain and pulled hard. The van side bent even more, and the rivet held fast. It was designed to be secure against the hardest of criminals. But there was a weak link in the design. Actually, it was a real weak link in the chain. And it popped apart with a sound like a gunshot, dumping the children back onto the seat behind them. Incredible, Zen said, quickly feeding the chain through the manacles on his wrist. I never thought I'd see a girl do that. The back door of the van was next and it wasn't so easy. They tried pushing and pulling, but it wouldn't give, not even a little. Stand back, Jenny said, and the other three shifted onto one of the benches. She pushed right up against the front of the van and crouched like a tiger ready to pounce. Then she sprang forward, feet pushing hard against the thick wire that separated the front seat from the prison benches. Her shoulder slammed into the back door, right in the middle. 
There was a boom like thunder, and the metal buckled and gave way. She landed in a roll on the pavement outside. Amazing, Zen said, hopping down. Without another word, the two rats scurried away. The children weren't in the clear yet. Two large men in dark suits peeled away from the entrance to the dome, running toward the van. Let's go, Jenny said, and they ran away from the two men and back onto New Road. A dark shape swooped overhead with a stuttering wingbeat. Merlina. There was another bang as the dome stage door slammed open. Number eight stormed out with a dark look on her face. She saw the two children and stopped. The raven landed between them and the two men stopped behind, waiting for the bird's orders. You idiots! she screamed. You are messing with the wrong person! Do you know how long my family has been trying to get back what is rightfully ours? Yours, Merlina said. It's never been yours. Shut up, stupid bird! The Prince Regent stole those treasures two hundred years ago, and if I can't get them back, then no one will have them. Crows! The sky above darkened for a moment, and then a swarm of crows descended on the raven and the two men. Although Melina was bigger by far than the attackers, it was outnumbered a hundred to one, and with a loud squawk the raven burst upward through the swarm and away over the Theatre Royal. The men were left curled over to protect themselves from the bird's pecking beaks. And as for you two, number eight spat, you've driven me to this. What happens now will be on both your consciences. Jenny tensed, ready for some kind of attack. But the other girls span round and stormed back into the dome. More men in suits appeared from the pavilion gardens, attracted by the crow attack. Quick, James said, inside and they followed number eight in, through the stage door, pulling it shut behind them.